Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Farm Traveler podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams, and today on the show, we are talking with uh, two people, two guests today. One is a former guest, Amber, from um, Cranberry Chats over on Instagram. She is a cranberry farmer in Wisconsin. And also on the show, we have Becca, who is a dairy farmer from Wisconsin. And Amber and Becca have another farming podcast called the Forward Farming Podcast. On there, they talk about all things Wisconsin agriculture, all that they do for their dairy business and the cranberry business. And so today, Amber and Becca and I are going to talk about all things Wisconsin, um, all about cranberries, dairy, what really inspired them to start their podcast, um, and all that really good stuff. It, it's always fun. I know I, I feel like a broken record every time I say this, but it's really fun to kind of geek out with fellow podcasters, especially in the ag community. So this was such a fun um, time to talk with Amber and Becca. And um, kudos to Becca. She was watching her kids during this interview. So she was a champ and she did a great job of balancing, you know, doing an interview and also, you know, paying attention to kids. Uh, and also, so we actually did an episode swap. So if you want to listen to Amber and Becca interview me for their show, head over to the Forward Farming Podcast. I'll link that um, in the description of this episode. And that was actually really cool. It's always fun to be on the other side of the mic. And so they asked me about, you know, what I've learned podcasting wise, um, what are some tips and tricks I've learned, some rapid fire questions and stuff like that. So it was really cool. It's always fun to do an episode swap like that. So be sure to check out that episode and forward farming and all that stuff. And I hope you enjoy this. Again, this is episode 102 with Amber and Becca from the Forward Farming Podcast. All right. Well, uh, Becca and Amber, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are y'all doing? Hi. Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. So, Amber, you've been on the show before. Becca, you haven't. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about your backgrounds and stuff. I mean, we're going to talk about your podcast, Forward Farming, and all that stuff. But, um, uh, Amber, we know you. You're the cranberry grower. So, you Becca, bet. why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. Oh, boy. Okay, well, um, by day, I'm a dairy farmer. Um, I've got my own herd of cattle on a dairy farm where I'm the calf manager, we're milking about 350 cows. And then when I'm done with that, I come home where my husband and I raise um, brown Swiss beef and we sell it at the farmer's markets and to local consumers. And then we also have chickens, pigs, turkeys that have never left. And uh, we've got three kids or two kids, one on the way. So yeah, we're just kind of a, a circus around here. <laughs> So you grow a little bit of everything and raise a little bit of everything, it sounds like. That's awesome. 
Pretty much, yeah. We are kind of the funny farm, but keeps things interesting. <laughs> I can imagine. That's awesome. So, uh, I mean, how did you get into it? Were you kind of born into it? I mean, how, how'd that happen? No, actually, I didn't grow up on a farm. I was in 4-H when I was about nine years old. Okay. And we randomly had a farmer come and was like, hey, if anyone wants to show cows, like, come out to this farm. So I don't, I don't know why we did it, but we did it and uh, never really looked back. So I went to college um, for dairy science, and then I started working on the farm that I'm currently on right now, and everything just kind of evolved from there. Okay, that's awesome. Amber, Amber, it's kind of like you. You didn't grow up on the farm. You went back and you worked at the family um, cranberry farm, right? Yeah, so I get, I, I mean, I guess I grew up out here on the cranberry marsh, and then I left, um, and I went to school for sports management, and then I came back home, and um, oh, I decided yeah. that's what I wanted to do, actually, so... I went to school for nothing ag related and it's come <laughs> very much handy lately. Um, but it's been great. I'm fifth generation out here. We've got the sixth generation on the way, which is exciting. And uh, it's a little less chaotic than Becca's funny farm, but it still keeps us plenty busy. <laughs> I can imagine. That's awesome. Yeah. And congratulations to both of you. You've got the, the third generations of the farm on the way. That's super cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So how did you two meet? I mean, you, you guys seem like your best friends. Um, you're on Instagram. You've got the forward farming thing. So how did you two meet? How did this relationship blossom? You're up. I'm uh, opening popsicles right now. <laughs> 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 this is just a daily occurrence. Whenever we record, Becca just bribes her children with popsicles and it's great. Um, <laughs> we met, yeah, we met over Instagram and it took us like, uh, I don't know, six months before we actually met in person. Um, so we actually started recording our podcast before we actually met in real life. And uh, starting a podcast is something I always kind of had it in the back of my brain on doing. And the more I started following Becca, the more I realized how similar we were personality wise and kind of like sense of humor wise. So I just reached out to her one day and I said, hey, what do you think about starting a podcast um, featuring you know, us women in ag and then Wisconsin agriculture too, stuff that isn't typically talked about um, anywhere else. And she agreed <laughs> and it, we kind of just did it on a whim and we wanted to see how it would go. Um, and we just never really stopped. We took a short break over the holidays and picked right back up. And now this year has been proving that we've got a lot more in common than we thought we did. <laughs> and it's, it's been fun. It's been um, a real learning experience, I think, for both of us. Well, there you go. I mean, it, it seems like that kind of added just to your already busy lives, but it seems like the feedback for that has been really fun. I mean, you've got like almost 2000 followers on Instagram with the forward farming and you've got a bunch of great episodes where it's you two talking about what you're doing, just a bunch of fan related questions and stuff like that. So it seemed like it seems like it's been a really fun experience so far for y'all. Definitely. These last couple of weeks, we have pretty much been saying that it's like a therapy session for us. It's just it's free therapy for us and for anyone else that can relate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. I bet it has been. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about everything from pregnancy problems to that's awesome. So just kind of everything in between uh, what our what a typical day is like during each season for us. Um, kind of the advantages and disadvantages of being a female farmer um, and just really highlighting both our industries. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on. 
that that's such a big thing. Um, like, what are some disadvantages you face? So my wife's an engineer, and I never really knew kind of like the disadvantages and even like kind of the sexism that would go on, um, like in the engineering world. And I'm sure it's the same in ag. And so, like, what are some hardships you guys have had to endure because you're women in ag, you're very successful. So what are some struggles you guys have had to face because of that? This question is hard for me because I I think just my mentors in general, um, kind of growing up and getting into this, it was never really an issue with me being a woman. Um, there's some things like obviously just overall strength. I wish, you know, I mm. could, there's just some things that women can't do that men can do because they're stronger, you know, and I, I don't say that because they're like better than us by any means, because there's a lot of things that we can do that they cannot do that we're just naturally better at. Um, So I guess growing up, I didn't really find that many disadvantages. I found more disadvantages or more kickback from other people that when they found out I didn't like grow up on a farm, they were, Mm. you know, they kind of give you a cold shoulder like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And I'm just like, like, the way I think of it is if your parents are doctors, that doesn't make you a doctor. Like you can go become a doctor, you know, and not grow up doing it, which is kind of a weird uh, analogy. But that's like that. That was that's probably the biggest issue that I've had being in agriculture. I mean, that makes sense. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Amber, what about you? Um, I think kind of like Becca, I haven't faced too many um, of the extreme backlash that I think a lot of other female farmers have faced. Um, I think for me personally, I grew up with an older brother. um, So having my dad kind of take him under his wing when he was younger and show him the ropes and just kind of taking me along for the ride without fully explaining to me the things that he was kind of doing with my brother that put me at more of a disadvantage just because, you know, my dad always thought, oh, well, since he's a boy, he's the one that's probably going to be coming back and uh, working on the marsh and not her. Like she's, she's got other things to do, but um, in reality, it's a complete opposite, (laughs) you know? So I think that was kind of the biggest disadvantage for me is just not having kind of the same Mm -hmm. knowledge and upbringing, even though we were right next to each other, it was more attention with him than me on what was going on out here. So I feel like there's been a little bit of um, a learning curve for me in that sense. But now that I'm back out here, there's no real difference. I mean, sometimes I need a little bit more help, obviously, but uh, that's always that's always welcomed and, and always available. So it's been pretty nice. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. And I mean, yeah, like y'all were talking about, or like Becca was talking about earlier. I mean, there are men, there are things that men can do differently, or things that women can do differently. I mean, uh, I, and I've heard a lot of stories about like kind of the sexism and stuff that women in agriculture have had to face. And I mean, some of the comments that they've said that as a younger person, I'm just like, I can't fathom ever saying that or hearing something like that. So it's weird. I mean, good on y'all for fighting the good fight and kind of going through all the struggles about all that. Um, and kind of going off on, on a different tangent. Whenever I think about Wisconsin Ag, which I know it's uh, your your podcast, Ford Farming, is kind of about highlighting thing, things in Wisconsin. Whenever I think about Wisconsin, I think about cheese. You know, like the Green Bay Packers, just cheese, all galore. But I know Wisconsin is more than just cheese. So what are kind of the more more popular, lesser known ag commodities in Wisconsin? Well, cranberries, for one. <laughs> they are uh, the state fruit. So I've got to highlight that. Uh, it's a billion dollar industry for our state too. So um, it's often kind of the forgotten industry in the egg 
world here in Wisconsin. Um, otherwise, I know ginseng is pretty big here. Um, there's a lot, obviously, a lot of dairy. Um, cherries kind of up in the like the thumb of Wisconsin in Door County. Um, I'm trying to think. What else is there, Becca? I remember a fun fact about ginseng while we're talking about it. I had to be in a parade when I was in like elementary school and they made us all dress up as, I don't even know what we had to dress up as, but I had to dress up as ginseng. So my mother had to make a a costume where I was like, I don't, I think I was like a bottle of ginseng. I don't know. (laughs) So it has a special place in my heart. (laughs) A special memory. Yeah. The only time I ever have ginseng is like when it's like that green tea and ginseng concoction. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. I really don't know ginseng uses other than that. Yeah, I don't either. I think that might be another person we might have to bring on the podcast is find a ginseng farmer. Hey, there you go. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, um, so Becca, you had, uh, or not Becca, I'm sorry, Amber, you had this guy. He's some influencer and a comedian. I forget his name, but you had him come out there to your march and film some stuff. Like, what was that whole process like? That seemed like it was super fun. Yeah, we had Charlie Barron's come out. And if you're from Wisconsin or the Midwest, you probably heard of him from the Manitowoc Minute. And he's just this goofy, <laughs> just this goofy guy. And uh, he, we, we partnered with him with the Wisconsin State Cranberry Growers Association to do kind of like a promo for cranberries. And he came out to our marsh um, the night before we started shooting. And he didn't have like any script written for us. He just wanted to meet my family to see kind of what he was dealing with. And once he met us, he just like instantly came up with this idea and was like, okay, this and this and this is going to happen. And uh, he he came out bright and early the next day and we shot for maybe five, six hours. And um, I think that's one of his more popular videos that he put out this last year. And it was just so much fun to work with him and just kind of take a day off of harvest and just goof around. Um and it brought a lot of attention to the industry, um, which is always a positive thing um, when you're when you're making when you're kind of making fun of yourself and at someone else's expense, I guess. So that was a lot of fun, and I think my dad came away the star of the show from that. He still gets recognized in public by strangers, so that's a nice little ego boost for him. <laughs> oh, that's funny, and I bet he's getting to see social media mm-hmm. work, and he's like, "What is this social media thing? Now I'm famous. Right. What is this thing?" Becca, do you think anything like that could happen on your farm? Maybe with like a get milk or a, a, the got milk thing, the got milk tagline. Maybe something like that could work for you. I think it would be a blast to have him come out. I know he went um, and filmed out at Annalise uh, Mod Farm Chicks Farm, but I was like, you know, if you ever need another dairy farm to come to, you can come out here, <laughs> or he could come to the Funny Farm. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> that would be funny. He, <laughs> yeah, his videos are funny. He's like the you betcha guy. And he's talking about like uh, the, the Wisconsin casseroles with uh, the tater tots on top, which is that a thing apparently? Oh, yeah. I'm not that a fan. sounds delicious. I'm not a huge fan of them. My husband like <laughs> loves them and wishes I would make them all the time, but I'm just. Becca hates a lot of foods. Person. She has. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm, I don't hate a lot of foods, but I don't like weird foods. <laughs> <laughs> so then you don't like pea milk or cashew milk obviously i've never had it but i can guarantee you i probably wouldn't <laughs> like it <laughs> i just i can't get over like just the whole name of the pea milk thing i, I don't i don't see the i mean the do you think it tastes like peas i don't because yeah, i don't want pea soup whenever i have milk <laughs> i want milk not like a pea soup 
cashew milk. I mean, I like cashews, so maybe I would like that. But still, it's not milk. Yeah. It's it's nut juice. So. Yeah, and even that nut juice, I still was like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. still don't know how that sounds. I always think of the uh, the the um, skit from the rant. I think where it's like, where are the teats at on on, on, yes. on an almond? Like, obviously, it's not going to be like a milk. It's it's a juice. Like, mm-hmm. it's really weird. But yeah, so and I'm sure y'all have like seen research on it. But I saw this thing in Australia years ago when almond milk was getting really popular. They like got sued by somebody because they were finding that like less than 25% of almond milk is actually almond milk. And it's like a lot of water and different chemicals and stuff like that. So have y'all heard of research done like that? Yeah, I I forget the amount um, of actual almonds in almond milk, but it's like it was like, I don't know, like five almonds or something in a glass of almond milk. So it's really it's more so fortified almond juice with added ingredients. I mean, obviously I don't like to crap on almond farmers because they're producing a great crop as well. But um, I just, I have a problem with them calling it milk and thinking that it has any comparison to actual cow's milk. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Like it's as nutritious and as good for you. I mean, there's so much more stuff in almond milk than regular milk. Right. When you're drinking milk, you're, you're getting milk. Like if you're drinking whole milk, they're adding vitamin D and that's it. And you're getting all those nutrients where they they are happening naturally. You know, you're not adding a bunch of ingredients to get you to that nutrition level. So, yeah, no, that's a good point. So you're both super active on social media, which is awesome. And so it seems like you're doing a good job of like sharing your story to everybody out there. So what I mean, what kind of inspired you both to do that to kind of get your message out there and showing how you're making some great stuff in the ag community? I think for me, it started, um, I've had my page for a really long time and I kind of just started off by posting like cute pictures, um, right out of college. I, I got it. And as I kind of progressed, I started getting a little bit more educational and, um, I don't know, I guess I just found that a lot of people were interested in, in what we do because they don't see it every day, even though, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't necessarily find interesting or I wouldn't think other people would, but it's amazing what the general public, you know, finds to be fascinating. Um, so that kind of, um, that kind of pushed me forward. And then I kind of, I, I honestly got burnt out on being educational because mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, it's a lot to ask for like every single post trying to like teach mm-hmm. someone something So after I had my daughter, I went and I kind of took a turn and I just, I just just started sharing life. Um, That's kind of when stories came to be as well. And I just showed my everyday life, what I was doing. And a lot of times it was still educational, but I wasn't like trying to be educational, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I think when I switched that, I got a lot more followers and I was able to relate to a lot more people because then I had moms and um, I mean, a lot of other farmers, but I just... I brought in my, my audience so much. So that was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've heard, we had Caitlin Dubin from uh, the Midwest or not the Midwest wives. Um, Wild Rose from Farmer. Wild Rose. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And she was talking about how um, she likes to just show the life of a farmer and not exactly educate because consumers kind of just want to relate to you instead of just learn something day in and day out. So I thought that was a really cool perspective. Yeah. Amber, what about you? Yeah, I started my page just because I wasn't seeing um, much from the cranberry industry represented on social media. So I um, 
I figured I've got a phone in my pocket. I've got a little bit of free time. I might as well, I might as well give it a shot. So I started um, last January uh, just kind of highlighting what we're doing and somehow people found it interesting and I grew a following from it and I made a lot of connections right away in the women in ag community um, and was able to kind of partner with them and work on some collaborative post, which got my name out there a little bit more, which brought awareness to my page a little bit more. Um, and obviously when I met Becca and started the podcast, that helped a little bit too. But just kind of like Becca said, not putting as much pressure on what you're posting and more focus on just kind of sharing your day-to-day life and your stories and, and not worrying about getting a post content out there every day because that can be pretty exhausting. So when I um, first found out I was pregnant, I I kind of just stopped social media. I was just so sick and miserable. And I was like, oh no, people are going to know something's up because I'm not posting every day. So that kind of is a downfall to it. But <laughs> um, I've I've been loving the journey so far and I it's it's wild how fast it can grow. So it's been a lot, it's been a lot of big change the last year and a half. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Amber, I think when I followed you, you had like 3000 followers or something like that. Now you've got what, like 12,000 or 15,000. It's up there. Oh gosh. Not that, not that many yet. Only I'm, I'm still only at (laughs) (laughs) 9,000. Oh, only 9,000. That's still pretty good. Becca, I think you had, yeah, you've got 15,000. Yeah. (laughs) Only only eight, 9,000. And then Becca's only got 15,000. That's pretty good though. It is. It's wild. (laughs) I bet that's that's so cool. But I mean, it seems like you both have like not only like I guess you could say fans on your social media, but but people that want to follow you and see how dairy is made, how cranberries are made, the people that are like genuinely interested in those products, but also kind of more so interested in you guys and just kind of seeing what you're what you're doing. Yeah, it's it's really like just a giant community almost because. Um, you know, sometimes being a farmer is a little bit isolating because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're kind of married to the farm, you know, it, it comes first all the time. Um, and so social media for me has been a way to meet a lot of other like-minded people that I just, I don't meet around here anymore. And like, I don't have time to, to go out and I don't have time to, um, you know, go out and like hang out with people and stuff. So I'm a very, uh, I'm an introvert. And so I really enjoy that I can meet people (laughs) online that I can relate to so much because if I'm ever having a bad day or if something goes wrong, I can, I can put that out there and there's going to be someone that can relate to me and kind of help me through that situation. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, during the whole COVID thing, have y'all found it to be very beneficial? I mean, as we're like, as we're sometimes locked down, but also you guys are so busy on the farm. So have y'all found these, the social media kind of communities you've built have been very beneficial during this time? For me, not much changed during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, it, I mean, in a way, yes, I think you are able to reach more people during COVID just because more people are on social media. But I guess for me, I it's not like I turned to social media even more just with COVID. Mm, that makes sense. Amber, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I live five miles out from the nearest village. Uh, and so I don't get a lot of human interaction outside of my family anyway. So social media is just kind <laughs> of like, like Becca said, it's just kind of nice to talk to people, even though it's through your phone. Um, but it's also a very humbling experience knowing that people want to pay attention to your life and what's going on, not only on the farm, but off the farm. 
and to have people there just to communicate with and just check in on. Um, it's been, it's been very nice and it's helped keep my sanity just because, you know, especially with Kobe, you can't go out and see your normal friends, <laughs> like your, your real life friends. You're kind of uh, yeah. dependent on, on your phone and, and your internet friends. So it's nice to have that to turn to as well. Yeah. I mean, I feel like social media sometimes gets a bad rap, but lately I feel like it's been pretty good, especially during COVID. Everybody has their communities or their friends they can still get to online. And and so, I mean, I think it's been okay, which is kind of, kind of good. So, um, so what are some of the biggest things you've learned from podcasting? I mean, like from your guests, from just talking to each other, what's some of the biggest things you've learned during that whole experience? I mean, growing up in Wisconsin, um, I feel like I should have known a little bit more about the dairy industry than what I did, I guess. <laughs> so like one of our first episodes, I asked Becca what what brand of cow <laughs> she has, just like not knowing any better. And apparently that's not the right thing to say. So now that's kind of a running joke that I have is just asking people what brand of cows they own. <laughs> um, so I've really learned a lot from Becca just on a day-to-day basis what goes on. Um, kind of more of the scientific reasonings behind things. Um, so I've learned a lot just from her, but then from our guests, I we just had um, someone on that does maple syrup up in New York, and that was something I had no idea on. And again, me being me and not knowing proper terms, I asked her how they get the tree juice out <laughs> of the tree, just kind of like making an idiot of myself. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's been great. And I hope that my, uh, ignorance, I guess, kind of makes it a little bit more relatable to people who aren't, uh, not super knowledgeable on all aspects of egg. So it's, it's been a big learning journey for me personally. I bet. I mean, you're putting yourself out there to learn something. And I mean, I'm sure 90% of the people listening would call it tree juice too. So, I mean, you're just kind of taking one for the team there. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the thing about Becca and I is we don't we don't do a lot of research before we do episodes usually, or like we don't really plan together. <laughs> so we're just kind of going into it uh, just blindly half of the time and just kind of winging it. So our hashtag for our podcast is usually hashtag bless this mess because we're always just we're always we're always up to something. Uh, <laughs> So it's been it's been fun. It's it's never uh, perfect, and we never try to come across as perfect either. There you go. It's all about being your genuine self, as also Caitlin Dubin said. It's all about being genuine. All about not trying to be perfect. Just being you. Whether that's on your podcast or social media. So that's awesome. Becca, have you learned a lot about Amber during the whole podcasting thing? Definitely. I mean, I knew that Wisconsin was big into cranberries, obviously, just because. That's one of the things you think of when you think of Wisconsin. Um, but everything that, that goes into it, I had no idea. I mean, I did know that they weren't grown in water, but like all the preparation that they do throughout the year, you know, they're, they're not just harvesting once a year and then going on vacation the rest of the year. <laughs> like they're working year round to get that that crop off. And then, like Amber said, just our guests that we've had on the show to learn more. Um, I know with the maple syrup, we had such great feedback on it because not, you know, that's one of those things that not many people know about. And I had zero idea what it took to get, you know, the sap to made to be made into syrup. So that was really cool. And I know we're hoping to kind of 
keep getting guests like that, that might have like maybe little niche markets that people aren't necessarily familiar with, um, just to not only get their name out there, but to learn more about agriculture throughout the country. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we haven't had anybody on for um, tree sap, but that'd be really fun, or maple syrup. I mean, that'd be really fun to learn more about. I mean, I just envision somebody going out into the big woods and having the little spike thing hammered into the tree, getting a bucket of sap, and then that's it. But doing it a lot all year. <laughs> so that's fun that you, y'all interviewed somebody about that. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's incredible to to like learn the entire process. And it's, I mean, it's very technical too. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Oh, I can imagine. And so, and so I'll, I'll ask Becca this, which I'm sure Amber, you did, which you were talking about your brand of cows, AKA your type, your type <laughs> of cows, the Brown Swiss. So why, why did you guys choose Brown Swiss instead of like the super, the super popular Holsteins? Cause they're trash. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Got em. Um, so, <laughs> okay. I guess the, my love for brown swiss came um my first year showing cows i mm. i showed a holstein and she was way too big for me um you know it was my first year i was like nine years old and i i think i took a spring yearling so she was she was large and she kicked my butt because i didn't know what i was doing so um right before we went into the ring to show her she stepped on my foot and i cried the entire time it was, yeah, that's where my hatred of Holstein started. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so the next year, um, they also had brown Swiss on the farm. So I showed a little spring calf. So she was just a couple months old. She was much more my size. And I just, I fell in love with their personalities. They're just, they're so stubborn. And I think they're probably like me a little bit. Um, they're very hardy animals. They're adorable. And so I just, I always grew up loving them. Um, I showed them for the most part. And then when I was able to start my own herd, that was the first ones I bought. So I do own some Holsteins too, because Holsteins do make good milk, but um, we've just always loved the Brown Swiss. And then when we started raising them for beef to sell, Brown Swiss are kind of a dual purpose breed in some areas. So they can make good milk. They've got high component milk but they also make great beef. So it's kind of a win-win for us. Um, I take my bull calves from the dairy farm and we raise them out to make our beef. That's awesome. I, I've yet to meet somebody that loves their Holsteins the way a brown Swiss person loves their cows. I mean, I've, I've yet <laughs> to meet passionate. anybody like, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's so cool. And I think the brown Swiss cows are a lot cuter. I mean, the black and white cows, Chick-fil-A cows are, are cool, but I think brown Swiss are like really cute. We, we Down here in Florida, I think we've got a mix of some brown Swiss and Holsteins. Um, we also have a lot of Brahmin, but I don't, Brahmin aren't really dairy oh, cattle. Are cool. so, yeah. Have you all heard the story of the monkey on the back for the Brahmin? No. So I heard the story that like, you know, they've got like that big hump. And the story is that um, at, at, at show, at sh- whenever you're showing the cows, a monkey comes out at night and gets all the bugs off the Holstein and then gets back in there or of the of the Brahmin. That's what the, the, the legend <laughs> is. That was real funny. They're That's cute funny. though. They're cute cows. They really are. We had a crossbred one once. I don't know how we ended up with it, but it was adorable. Oh, really? <laughs> had those big floppy ears. Yeah, the, the ears are so big. They're so apparently they're from India, which is why they're really good here in in Florida because they're used to the super humid climate. Oh, right, and that's why um, brown Swiss do really good down in those warmer climates too, and they they do really well down in like Mexico and stuff too because. They just, for whatever, oh gosh, for whatever reason, they do a lot better in warmer climates than um, other breeds. Well, there you go. That's fun. Um, that's not bad. 
Um, is there some kind, I know Amber, you're always showcasing cool cranberry products. Is there a cool cranberry, um, dairy product out there? Cheese. <laughs> there's, oh, there's a cheese, cheese for everything. Oh, yeah, cheese. I think I Cran- think cranberry cheese. cheese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and I know you're a big fan of Bush. I know you're always showcasing Bush latte, which is awesome. Yes. Uh, Becca, is there a beverage of your choice? Is it, is it also Bush or what is it? <laughs> If I had to choose beer, yeah, we're a big Bush family. Um, I So I don't mind beer, but I give me a twisted tea and I'm a very happy lady. There you go. I mean, do you hit people that's upside my, the head my... with the twisted teas? <laughs> like that one guy? deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I thought for sure you were going to talk about your SoCo and Mountain Dew. SoCo? Oh, oh. So Amber, Amber thinks this is weird. So Southern Comfort and Mountain Dew huh. is like the best mixed drink. Although Amber doesn't agree with me, but <laughs> I need to try that. I, I love Southern Comfort. When I talk about Becca having a weird taste, <laughs> that, that that's a point. Her palate is just bizarre. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. That's <laughs> interesting. Have you had a bullfrog before? No, what's in that? It's you take a Mountain Dew bottle, like a two liter. You put vodka in there, and then you put a little packet of Kool Aid, and it's actually pretty good. I mean. Ooh. I, I feel like with the SoCo and the, the Mountain Dew, maybe you might like that combination. <laughs> maybe. I had a lot maybe. of um, Mountain Dew and vodka like in college. Mm. In class, yeah, it's kind of I a just, college drink. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if I could do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't think I've had it since college. So, I mean, it might be that you can only have it between like 19 and 22 and then no more. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Well, Becca, uh, Amber, this has been super fun chatting with you guys about, you know, the Forward Farming podcast, uh, your cranberries, dairy farming, all that stuff. Um, If people want to follow you guys on Instagram, tell them what are your handles and what can they, where can they go to follow the Forward Farming podcast? You can follow our podcast page. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Forward Farming Podcast. (laughs) And then if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Farming with the Hillbies. And we're also on Facebook at Hillby Family Farm. And I am over at Cranberry Chats and Facebook is also at Cranberry Chats as well. Well, sweet. Well, we will follow. I'll link all that stuff in the description. And again, super fun to chat with you guys. Best of luck and everything. And can't wait to see all the content you have and all that good stuff. Thanks for having us. Thank you.